good afternoon beautiful people welcome to episode seven of the clutch down podcast let's get into it so my bluff this week comes from rufus in london thank you rufus and he says gronk is the only cover athlete to win the super bowl in the same year he was on the cover of madden okay so what year was gronk gronk was 2017 yeah, the first Madden I properly played was 2016, and I remember that was OBJ when he had that ridiculous one-handed catch, and that was what the, the cover was. So yeah, so OBJ was 2016, 2017 was Gronk, 2018 was Brady, 19 was Antonio Brown, 2020 was Mahomes, 21 was Lamar Jackson, and then 2022 would have been Brady and Mahomes. Okay, so yeah, twenty sixteen to seventeen, that was the Super Bowl in the in the year of twenty seventeen. That was Falcons Patriots, I believe. Yeah, so Patriots won that. So yeah, that's correct. So Gronk Gronk definitely won that year. Brady was twenty eighteen, so twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen season. That would have been Patriots versus Eagles. Okay, so the Patriots lost that, so we can skip Brady. Then we can skip Antonio Brown because he didn't win a ring until he went to the Bucks. So 2020 was Patrick Mahomes. So Patriots played the Rams the year after that Eagles won. So that would have been 2018 to 2019. And yeah, that was the Brown year. And then 2020 was Mahomes. So yeah, 2019-2020 season. That was the Kansas City versus 49ers Super Bowl. So I'm going to say that's false. I think at the time that Madden 17 came out, it was true. But I think now Mahomes winning that Super Bowl must mean that it's false for that reason. And yeah, obviously Lamar Jackson hasn't won a Super Bowl. And then the one for Brady and Mahomes would have been true if it was the year before, but it wasn't. So yeah, I'm going to say false based off the fact that Mahomes won in 2020. Great, yeah, yeah, it is false, it is false, and wonderful, that's for my reasoning, so, yeah, so Gronk won in 2017, and then Mahomes in 2020, the years that they recover athletes, so, great, cool, okay, seven for seven, still going, still not been caught out by any of the bluffs yet, I'm, I'm very happy about that, because that one was more of a, a Madden question, combined with some, some actual league info involved, and I still got that, so I'm happy about that. So Rufus, you haven't you haven't stumped me and no one's stumped me yet. We'll we'll keep this going as long as we can. Now on to news and updates in very tragic news this week. Unfortunately, Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins was killed on Saturday. He was in Florida walking on I-595 for reasons that are currently unknown and tried to cross lanes with oncoming traffic before being hit by a dump truck. There's been some reports that his car ran out of petrol when he got hit as he was getting out of the car. But to be honest, no matter how it happened, it's tragic. Haskins was 24 years old and seems like he was in a great situation with the Steelers. But in all honesty, something like this transcends all the sport. And I can only feel awful for his family. So condolences that way. And just a very sad week for, for the NFL and everyone involved. There was lots of outpours of people on social media, players on social media, talking about him and his life. And yeah, so just a, a horrible piece of news, unfortunately, to share. The USFL starts this weekend. It kicks off with the New Jersey Generals versus the Birmingham Stallions Saturday at 6.30pm Central Time. And for the UK listeners, that's 12.30am on Sunday morning. Unfortunately, we get things a little later here. 
The USFL was an American football league that ran for three years in the 80s and has been brought back in spring 2022, being coined the Spring League, which was all about basically showing off players' development, so a developmental league, which is which is great. It's great. I, I'm never going to complain about having more, more football to watch, so awesome. On to players that were extended and signed. Stefan Diggs signed a four-year, $104 million extension. He was quoted as saying, I wanted it to be my home and I didn't want to ever go anywhere in talking about the Bills. Wants the Bills to be the final stop of his career. Last season, he had 103 receptions for 1,225 yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. Brandon Cook signed a two-year, $39.6 million extension with the Texans. He was the first player in NFL history to have 1,000 receiving yards in three consecutive seasons with three different teams. So great stuff for him. Great signing for the Texans. And then defensive end Calais Campbell signed a two-year, $12.5 million deal for Baltimore. The defensive end was traded to the Ravens before the 2020 season and has racked up 6.5 sacks in his two seasons with them since then. So now players that weren't re-signed and weren't older players, speaking of Calais Campbell who's 35, we're on to some young players in our spotlight part of this episode. So my spotlight player on offense for this week is Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, and then on defense it's Kyle Hamilton's safety. So starting off with Garrett Wilson, he's a wide receiver who played his college ball for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He's 21 years old, 6 feet tall, and 188 pounds. In his three seasons at Ohio State, he had 143 receptions, 2,213 receiving yards, and 23 touchdowns. He also had 143 rush yards and one rush touchdown to go along with that. In 2020, he was named to the first team All-Big Ten team, and in 2021, he made the second team All-Big Ten team. So in terms of positives I see with Garrett Wilson, and there's a lot of them, he has very fast footwork, which means he can find soft spots in zone coverage and also beat his man-in-man coverage. And he has great hands, especially catching away from his body. He always focuses on the ball and seemingly catches everything. That's low passes. If you throw something a little high, something away from him, he just brings it in every time. He's not the biggest, but has a lot of strength and always seems to get extra yards, always seems to fight for extra yards. And if he's not fighting for extra yards or pulling off a stiff arm, he gets those yards by taking the ball in stride and always seems to keep his momentum. A big positive as well from watching him is despite only needing to get one foot in in college on the sideline, he always seems to get two in, which is massive for NFL development because he's already ahead of the game. And he can play outsider in the slot, so he's very versatile too, so a big weapon for any team to add. Now onto the bad. His footwork is great, as I mentioned, and fast, but some of his moves to get separation are a little out of control. Reason why I think he falls over a lot is this. I'm also unsure if that'll work in the NFL or if it's going to be too exaggerated to go against the, the top cornerbacks in the NFL. He's an incredible athlete, and I think that he tends to rely on this more than technique to get separation, which leads to this lack of control. He's not the biggest receiver, so he did well against press coverage in college, but I think he might struggle outside in the NFL against bigger, stronger cornerbacks who play a lot of press. I don't personally think he goes top 10, but I think somewhere in between picks 10 and 20 in the first round, I think he'll go. I reckon either Washington at number 11 or the Eagles at pick 15. Both teams already have a true number one in place with Washington having Terry McLaurin and then the Eagles having Devonta Smith. And so I think having Wilson to be a second wide receiver who can play outside or play in the slot, who they can develop, I think is going to be a great a great guy to have for either of those teams. And so, yeah, those are my predictions for where where I reckon he'll go. 
Now on to Carl Hamilton. So Carl Hamilton is a safety who played his college ball for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He's 21 years old, 6 feet 4 inches and 220 pounds. A big dude. Kyle played 31 games in his college career where he had 138 tackles, 24 passes defensed and 8 interceptions. He also had a pick 6 and was an All-American in 2021. So one of the pros, he's big and strong and he plays like it. He's not opposed to a big hit at all, whether that's on a running back, a receiver, he's running after the quarterback, he'll, he'll do it. He can play everywhere on the field and he has this raw talent where he processes so much information in a very short space of time. So that's the quarterback, the receivers, where the ball is, where the running back is. He just seems to look at it all pre-snap and during the snap as well. So this means he can trust his instincts, which is a bonus in short yardage situations when playing down in the box on the run. His tackle technique is great. He tackles low and he uses that reach and size of his to make big plays in the open field. So open field tackles, which are great. In pass coverage, he plays tight, and this is a direct effect of his athleticism and his focus during snaps, which has led to some pretty impressive interceptions and deflections, if I do say so myself. On to cons, he's coming off a knee injury, which meant he missed the last five games of the 2021 season, and he has inconsistency. I don't think he's a straight-up first-year, throw-into-starting-position, rookie defensive player of the year type. I think he needs some coaching and some time to develop. Like I said, he processes information quickly, but I think because he trusts his instincts, he can get a bit lost in plays and get out of position, such as when he's down in the box, he'll bite on play action and commit to the run, which can lead to receivers being open where he should have stayed in position. And this is down to trusting those raw instincts, but I also think he focuses too much on making the big play or the big hit. Reminds me a little of Jonathan Abram, the Raiders safety, but the thing is Abram has a bit more leeway because he's faster, having run a 40 time at 4.45 in contrast to Hamilton's 4.59. He ran a 4.56 at his pro day, but that's still slower. So if Abram gets lost in coverage, he has a bit more speed to make up the difference. I could still see based off Hamilton's athleticism, his size, his ability to tackle, all of that, I reckon he gets taken in the top 10 still. And my prediction is I reckon he's going to go to the Falcons. They had a really bad defense last season and you could argue that they need to improve in every position. But in this situation, you can combine him with defensive coordinator Dean Pease and he has a lot of experience and has also earned two Super Bowl rings as a defensive coordinator. So he'd be the perfect person to develop Hamilton and I think that's a good situation for him to go to. I'd be very surprised if he falls any further than that, but if he does, I can see either the Patriots or the Steelers taking him in the early 20 picks because you can then combine him with the coach of Bill Belichick or Mike Tomlin and also in front of him on the depth chart. They've Both teams have some very good but also veteran safeties, so you've got players in front of him who would be able to learn from, but I highly doubt he's going to fall anywhere out of the top 10 and if he does he's just going to be a steal for for any team after that now onto my plays of the week so i think this week is good to shed a little light onto one of our players that got extended and that's brandon cooks i think he's he's very underrated wherever he's gone or been traded to he's had at a thousand yard season and i just wanted to shine a bit of light on him with a with a couple of plays from last season that i really really enjoyed and i wanted to show everyone so my first play is week one versus Jacksonville, 0-0 in the first quarter on third and nine. Cooks runs deep and Tyra Taylor throws a pass off his back foot. It's a very good pass as well, but Cooks is double covered and catches the ball for 52 yards. It's just a very physical play. 
Cooks jumps up and gets it. The pass is very good. It's just a really good connection between the two players and just showed off the first week back of last season how good of a player Cooks actually is. My second play is week eight versus the Rams. Houston were down 38-7 in the fourth quarter. Cooks runs deep again after beating his man and Davis Mills throws a dot to Cooks for a 52-yard touchdown. Cooks had over a thousand yards again last season despite a mix of quarterbacks and a losing record for the Texans. He had over 500 yards more than Nico Collins, who had the second most receiving yards on the Texans at 446. He's agile. He can catch anything. He's very physical. You can throw out on a screen pass to him and he'll make a lot of yards. So yeah, great re-signing for the Texans. Got one controversy to talk about this week. The main one, there's still a few bits going on with free agency and a few players that are left unsigned. But I think considering we've spoken so much about big team deals and players being signed to new deals and all that, a guy we need to talk about is Debo Samuel. So this week, Debo Samuel unfollowed the 49ers and took any mention of them off of his Instagram. This offseason, Samuel is eligible for an extension. He had 1,405 yards and six receiving touchdowns last season, but he also added 365 yards rushing and eight rushing touchdowns. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get re-signed to the 49ers. Even in an offense that has George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league, arguably the top tight end in the league because of what he does in blocking and all over the field. In that offense last year, it just completely revolved around Samuel. And he was just so good. Even through the playoffs, he was so good. And that's the thing. I can't see him going anywhere else because I think he's also bought into the 49ers way of doing things. You saw after the... NFC Championship against the Rams he was crying and he was distraught and he was so passionate about losing that game and I think there's an element of that which is you know they were one game for the Super Bowl and that's disappointing but there's also an element of that that you want to get there with that team and I think it's because of that team as well that he was so down because of they were kind of under underdogs through the entire playoffs and yet they still kept winning they kept doing their thing and it was great to watch but I think the problem is I think it's hard to determine his value like monetary value because he runs and receives and he runs very hard like eight eight rushing touchdowns for a running back is good for a season let alone eight rushing touchdowns for a receiver to go along with six receiving touchdowns that's a, a very very good season and I think part of the issue with the contracts as well is when you see someone like Christian Kirk who's getting big wide receiver money then players start to look and go well you know if if a player who's never had a thousand yards is getting paid that then I should get paid that too or I should get paid more than that if I'm playing a lot better and that makes sense I mean there's an argument to say you should get similar money to Tyreek Hill 30 plus million a year I mean Tyreek had less yards than Debo last year he also had less overall touchdowns than Debo so is there an argument to say that well if he can play at that level as well as the the rushing parts of his game that should that mean he gets made to be the top paid receiver in the league but then the other thing is the 49ers already have a lot of top market players Bosa's also due for an extension then you've got George Kittle Trent Williams Fred Warner so can they actually even afford to give Samuel a big deal I mean you might lose some cap space if you get rid of Garoppolo or if you trade him and then you've got Trey Lance on a rookie deal so that could get rid of a fair amount which would be be good to be able to sign Debo again but is this a case of Samuel's production is just because of how Shanahan uses him? Has Shanahan just given him this 
this this fire and this ability to negotiate like he's one of the top receivers because of how Shanahan uses him. Maybe maybe there's other bigger receivers that could play like that, but they're just not used as a running back in a lot of situations. Cooper Cup, for example, is a big receiver, over 6'2", over 200 pounds. Maybe if you took some of that time playing him at wide receiver and put him in the backfield, he'd also be the same. Maybe some of the bigger receivers could play like that, and it's just Shanahan who's unlocked this way of doing it. I mean, over 1,400 yards receiving is a great season for a wide receiver, and that was on, I believe, 77 receptions. So that's nearly close to to 20 yards per reception. So that shows how dynamic of a player Samuel is. But I don't think he's a true number one receiver. I think because of how he how he's used, I think Shanahan's kind of unlocked all of the talent and potential for him, which is great. And at the end of the day, no matter the argument for if other players could play like that, if they were used in a similar way, other receivers, for instance, Samuel is still the one who got those yards and got the all pro nod for last season because of that. I mean, he's six feet tall, 215 pounds, has a 4.48 40. So he's he's built like a running back, but he can catch like a top receiver. And for me, I don't think that the 49ers have any intention of letting him walk or trading him. I think that they're just seeing how free agency develops and also how the draft is going to develop. And they're just figuring out his value because, as I said, you've got to basically pay him as a, a top receiver who can also rush the football. And we know the 49ers love to have that committee backfield and rush the football. Also, the 49ers don't pick in the first round this year. So I suppose they're kind of thinking about things a bit more and thinking maybe we trade him, maybe we get rid of him. And Brandon Ayuk was playing well last season. Maybe he's our true number one. So you've got all of these things to juggle in this situation. I really hope that he stays with the 49ers. I think he's become a big part of their identity. I think he showed how passionate he is for the game, how he'll just play and and put himself out there and push him, despite the fact he's asked to do so much for a team. He'll just do it and he'll prosper whilst doing it. So I'm hoping they re-sign him because he's a fun player to watch. And I think it's good for the 49ers. I also think if they do move on to Trey Lance, he's such a dynamic weapon that they can use for Trey Lance's development. So I'm hoping we see Samuel back with the 49ers. Okay, now we're on to my album of the week. So my album of the week this week is also from White Lies. It's To Lose My Life. That's three of the seven episodes, which is a White Lies album. So yeah, same band as last week. I'm back with my obsession of them. Since I saw them a couple of weeks ago live, I've just been listening to them nonstop again. And the funny thing is, I didn't actually like this album at first, but it's definitely a grower. And I like the fact that as a band, they've got such a variety of songs and sounding songs, but the overarching sound of them has kept the same. And this album, To Lose My Life, was released in 2008. So they've managed to keep a similar sound for 14 years, but still spicing everything up with variety. I also find that sometimes with the debut album, because this was their debut album, some debuts are a bit bad because bounds because bands are finding their sound, but this one doesn't feel out of place at all. It seems like White Lies just hit the ground running with their first album and they haven't let up since. And yeah, it's definitely a good one to check out. Look out for the song Death, To Lose My Life, and Farewell to the Fairground. They're my favorites that are on the album. But yeah, White Lies, To Lose My Life, check it out. 
Okay, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Clutchdown Podcast. This was episode seven. I'll catch you all again next week. Thank you.